It's the Zero Lives Left podcast, episode 42. Welcome to the Zero Lives Left podcast. What is it you have always wanted to do? Are you stuck going around in circles? Sound familiar? Maybe you have always wanted to start a business. Maybe there's a particular career path you've wanted to follow. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring insight from someone who has done it, how they did it, along with actionable tips on how you can make it happen. Now, here's your host, Wayne Denner. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. My name is Wayne. I'm your host on this journey. Thank you once again for tuning back into another episode of the show. As always, if this is your first time coming across the podcast and you've no idea what it's all about, maybe you've seen a link on social media, maybe one of your friends sent you a WhatsApp and said, you know what, you got to check this podcast out. Let me give you a quick rundown on how things work around here. Each episode, we bring you no-nonsense, real, right-to-the-point podcast banter on business, career, and life. Maybe you're somebody who's always wanted to start a business or get started in a particular career path. This is the podcast for you. You've come to the right place, and we will have something useful and practical which will help you along on your journey. Don't forget if there's somebody you would like me to interview on the show, please do reach out, please do get in touch. You can drop me an email into studio at zerolivesleftpodcast.com or you can send me a tweet to at zero lives left. If you're enjoying this podcast, please do us a massive favor. And if you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening over on Stitcher Radio, if you're listening on Spotify, please do leave a review and make sure you rate the podcast. Reviews and ratings are really important and they do help other people find out about the show. If you haven't yet already done it, don't forget to stop by the Zero Lives Left podcast website. It's up and running. We've got lots of great information available over on the website. All the previous episodes of the show are there. All the transcripts, all the interviews about the guests and a little bit more background information on those guests who have appeared on the show. We've also got my podcasting ebook which is now available. And if you're somebody who's listening into this podcast and you've got an idea for a podcast and you've got no idea where to start, what equipment you need, where you're going to host your podcast, don't worry about any of those things because that was me four years ago. And what I've done is I've created an ebook which you can download from the website now, which has my seven simple steps to successfully launch your podcast. So check that out. It's available over on the website, zerolivesleftpodcast.com. We've got a great episode lined up for you today. We're chatting with Kali Graham, international sales training consultant and CEO of Sales Excellence. Kali has over 40 years experience in the sales industry in telephone, field sales and sales management. Kali is recognized as an international sales trainer who has achieved excellent results. He's worked right across the globe assisting companies and delivering training in Malaysia, 
Bangkok, Singapore, Dubai, Barcelona and the UK. This is a great episode. Sales is such an important component of every business and Kali's going to take us on a journey today of some of the things that you need to think about to become a better salesperson. All right, let's not waste any more time and get right in to episode 42 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Collie Graham has over 40 years experience in telephone field sales and sales management. Collie is recognized as an international sales trainer who achieves excellent results. Sales Excellence has trained and consulted with over 1,000 companies since its formation, assisting businesses and companies to raise their level of their game. Collie has delivered training worldwide in Malaysia, Bangkok, Singapore, Dubai, Barcelona and throughout the UK. Let's take a little bit of a look at your background. Tell us how you got into sales, how the journey happened. How I got into sales is a bit of a long story. What happened was I started my life as an accountant or as a trainee in accountant. In school, my worst subject was maths, so I decided to have a career in accountancy, which wasn't a good decision. But in 69, I ended up living on the streets of London, begging for hamburgers. That's how I had to learn to sell and how to persuade people to give me the price of a hamburger on the streets. Came back from London and I got a job as a root salesperson or a root salesman with Pepsi Cola. Now, my mother said, you're a lorry driver. He says, after your education, you're a lorry driver. And I go, no, mom, I'm a root salesman. So I progressed progressed with PepsiCola, worked for them for five years, left that company when the franchise was bought over by another company. I moved to a company which was a startup, and there was three of us out of the back of an off-license. That was in that startup. That startup grew until we had 50 people, and I ended up being their sales manager, managing 15 people. And I realised that they needed needed training and enjoyed training. And from my early days of when I first became a salesperson, uh, I knew that I had to train myself. So I've always been a good reader. And one of the best sales books I ever read was written in 1926 by a baseball player called Frank Betcher. And the book was called How to Raise Yourself from Failure to Success in Selling. And that was how I, I started off. And I loved that. I loved managing the salespeople, I loved helping them grow, I loved training them. I did something which today, it's it's, uh, as if it was new today, and they call it about sales coaching. But back in those days, I used to actually coach the people out in the field, and I'm talking about 81, 82, many years, 30-odd years ago, how to do that. And we had one of the most successful sales teams in our business. I had 15 salespeople on the road, five telephone salespeople. And my job was, people would ask me, what's my qualification as a sales trainer? And I said, well, on the last Monday of the month, the boss used to say, Collie, we need 25,000 sales by Friday to exceed our target. And I said, okay, and my job was to motivate these guys to reach reach the target i really enjoyed it i spent then 15 years saying one day i'll i'll start my own sales training company and you know a lot of people live in an island called one day isle one day i'll do this one day i'll do that i made the decision then in 95 i actually made the decision that i would start my own sales training company and i i wrote a goal down that i would start uh, an international sales training company then in 96 i was two weeks before uh, my 52nd birthday. My dad had died at 52 and I was coming to 52 and I thought 
what would my father tell me if he was still alive? And he would say, go for it. And I went to my boss and said, I've decided. He knew that I had this dream of starting a sales training company because I was the, I was the sales director in this particular company. I told him that I was going to definitely start my sales training company. He actually said, calm yourself, Collie, and take a week's holidays. And what I did was I took a week's holidays. I went to Dingle. I hired out a bicycle, stayed in Dingle for a week and watched the dolphin. And I decided to start my sales training company in July 1996. At the start, it was a struggle to get it off the ground. The first three months, I'd spent all my money and I ran out of cash. But one thing I've learned is resilience and come bouncing back. One of the things I believe in life, there's no such thing as good fortune or bad fortune. Uh, It's just thinking makes it so. And the interesting thing, the capital that I used to start my company was the result of of a road accident that I ended up at hospital and I wasn't at fault in the road accident and I used the compensation to launch Sales Excellence. Let's talk a little bit about Sales Excellence. Before we get into that, let's talk about sales in general because you know sales is probably the single most important activity within any business. My business, your business, if we're not generating sales, then our business is simply not going to exist. Not everybody is a good salesperson, Collie, let's be honest. I wouldn't be the best salesperson. And there are other people within my organization who are really good at developing sales. They're really good at closing sales. What are some of the key qualities to becoming an effective salesperson? Well, one of the things that I actually mentioned, the word I mentioned already, is resilience. You'd be able to get rejection and get over rejection. You Just because somebody says no, uh, you've got to move. You've got to say in your mind next and move to the next person. But the other things that I see about, you have to be a problem solver to be a salesperson. You know, that's anybody in sales in any company, no matter who they are, from Tesco's, Asda, or Sainsbury's, to make sure we mention them all, they, they solve a problem. You know, people say, well, they just sell food. No, they solve a problem of hunger. So everybody is in the problem-solving business. You know, and you think of your business, Wayne, what problems do your uh, clients have? And you solve a problem for them. So a salesperson, he has to... You have to be a good listener, but to listen, you have to know to ask the right questions. So you have to be able to know what questions to ask people to understand the situation and see what the gap is that you can help to add value to them. And, you know, one of the things that people say that uh, you have to be an extrovert, and I don't believe that for a moment. The best, Some of the best salespeople I know are introverts. I was re- originally an introvert, but that changed. I'm a bit of an extrovert. But one of the things that there's, so, I see some people, they reckon they, you know, they think that they, the image of the salesperson is this hail fellow well met with a, you know, with a ton of jokes to tell people, and that's really, you know, that's a poor image of salespeople that uh, that doesn't that doesn't really work. And people say um, you have to be liked to make successful sales and that's not necessarily so you have to be able to as originally said solve problems so you're a problem solver one of the things we used to interview salespeople, and we used to ask them this question what would happen if a customer said to you give you a question and you didn't know the answer about your product how would you answer it now the guy who who would say well we just bluffed i would bluff them i'd bluff them and you know and I'd, i'd waffle and so he never got the job but the guy who said I don't know the answer to that right now, but I'll find out for you. He was the guy who got the job because integrity, trustworthy. And, you know, they have, a, have this thing that a good salesperson is a trusted advisor. He advises people how 
they make a success of their business, how they make a success of their life. He's trusted almost like a counsellor or a consultant to give them solutions to their problems. I love that. Uh, a good salesperson is a trusted advisor. And I think yeah. that's a that's that's a very, very interesting way to look at it. And sometimes, you know, within my business, particularly with the work that I do around online safety, mm-hmm. I have a lot of my clients are coming to me looking for that trusted advice. So I think, you know, listeners into this podcast, that's something that if they're a small business, maybe they're a one man band. It's about really, really becoming that problem solver, first and foremost, mm-hmm. but also becoming that trusted advisor. In one of your LinkedIn posts from last year, Collie, you talked about creating sales opportunities. How does a business recognize a well-qualified sales opportunity? Well, one of the things that I would I do with companies in our sales training is we take them back a step and we ask, uh, who is your ideal customer? Or as it's known nowadays, uh, to write a buyer persona. Get them to, if you had an imaginary customer, what does he look like? Uh, what does she look like? What's their background? What's their age? What's their role within a company? So that they can actually define who the customer is. Because it's like, how do you, you know, if you're going fishing, you would fish where the fish is. And you would you go fishing for a certain kind of fish. If you go fly fishing, you might be looking for trout or you might be looking for salmon. If you go for spinning, you might be looking for pike. So you got to say, and then you've got to find those business opportunities, like fishing, you've got to go to the pool where the fish is. You know, so you've got to find out you know, where they are. Do they fit my ideal uh, buyer persona? And as CCD get, I ask people, who's your ideal clients? You know, make a list of who's your ideal clients, and can you match those? Where will you find clients of that persona. Now, the buy-in persona is very, very interesting because it's something that's often overlooked. And I know in my background of digital marketing, something that even in the training that I deliver from a digital marketing point of view, it's about getting people who are using social media for whatever reason they're using it for, whether it's to target a specific demographic of customer. It's really, really important to sit down and understand that buy-in, buyer persona. What are the characteristics of that customer? Yes, exactly. You know, and that's you know, and what's and and the other thing is what motivates them emotionally to to make a buying decision. What value can you add to their life, or what value can you add to their business? And it's about adding value. You know, one of the things that uh, that I actually say to people need to ditch the pitch. You know that this sales pitch that doesn't work, and they go in. And and I use the analogy, if you go to the doctors and you walk into your doctor's surgery, your doctor doesn't tell you a history of when he qualified in medicine, how much he does retraining every year, what he specializes in. So the first thing your doctor asks you, what's the problem? Then he makes a diagnosis, then he makes a prognosis, then he offers you a solution. And then the other thing he tells you is if you don't use the solution, what's the consequences? And that's really what a salesperson should do. They make a diagnosis of the situation with the, you know, if you're saying your digital marketing and you know, I know that cybersecurity is another what's what's the consequences of poor cybersecurity? What's the impact going to be in your company if you don't do something? And how valuable is it to you to make a decision to do something? And that's where people will pay for the value of of securing their either digitally or whatever problem that you're solving for them. 
as a salesperson. So it's good for, for businesses who are listening into this podcast today to really break down those stages and, 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 and see where maybe there's something wrong in that sort of process and really trying to identify those weaknesses and really trying to refine that process exactly, yes. so that they are solving that problem for their customer. I love it. I, I love those simple stages of breaking down each of those areas of the process in order to better understand how you're going to help that business. Account management within business is key. It's a well-known fact that 80% of revenues come from 20% of your customer. Therefore, paying special attention and focus to key customers is, is really, really important for businesses, both small and large. What are the major benefits of key account management, Colin? Well, one of the things in, where I start in key account management, and that's something I've been for privileged to deliver uh, all over the world from Sydney, Melbourne was the farthest of what we know away so far deliver, delivering key account management. And one of the things that I look at people and I talk about them, who are your key accounts? Who are that 20%? And then I discover looking at that 20%, how profitable are they? And I had an interesting one where I was working with a company uh, we were talking earlier about I was delivering key account management in Dubai and I had somebody from Indonesia who were working with for a well-known battery company and they talked about the supermarket chain in Thailand who was one of their key accounts and I discovered they were selling their batteries at a loss to maintain the key account and I go, that's not a key account. But the first thing, you know, they've got to learn about a key account is there, there's two types of salespeople. There's the hunter and the farmer. And the hunter is the person who goes out and he finds the first sale, introduces the company, and he makes the initial sale. And then he hands it back to the farmers. And the farmers are the people in the company who actually, and it's the analogy of farming, where you prepare the soil, you plant the seed, you water the seed, you remove the weeds, which is the competition, you grow you grow the business. So the benefits of doing that, and I actually look at people to define who are your key accounts, because I discover that most companies, Companies don't know who their key accounts are. The other benefits is that I say to p- people, they tell me about their key accounts, and I'll say, how many branches does that account have? And somebody will say, oh, about 12 branches, Colin. How many branches are you serving? Oh, we're serving three of them. So how much money leaving on the table? The other advantage is everybody in those three branches they're doing know everybody else in the five branches, so you can get a, uh, introduced across across the company to the other branches. You can grow it. Profitability, stability. One of the things is, I actually, when I say to people, how do you define a key account? Well, you know if you lose it and it harms your business, then that's a key account. And the other thing that I make people aware of, the importance of key account management, that the competition is obviously trying to chip into your key account and you've got to be, you know, get closer to them to make sure that your competition doesn't get in the door. Now, on this podcast, we have a lot of small businesses, entrepreneurs who listen into the show. As a small business, lead generation can be a problem. Generating good quality leads are vital for a business and really being able to identify those leads and where they are. If you could share three useful techniques or tips with our listeners today, when it comes to lead generation, colleague, what would they be? Well, for, you know, let's go back to something we talked about earlier. Do that buyer persona. Now, who is your ideal client or, or ideal customer? Where is he to be found? Now, one of the things that I use is, is I use LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn's a powerful tool today where you can go and find your ideal customer and have a, an online conversation with them. One of the things I find in LinkedIn is you link with somebody and right away they send you an email or they send you a message with a pitch. You know, that is build a relationship. Ask about them. Find out what are you doing in your business? How's your business going? 
you know, all simple questions. What you've got to do is what I call is you have to nurture them. And nurturing a lead is like going on a blind date. You don't ask a girl to marry you on the first blind date or the first date. You actually you don't even maybe hold hands. But most salespeople are like the pushy guy who goes on the on the blind date and he wants to go too far in the first date. So you've got to actually build that relationship because you've got to build the trust. So when you actually get a lead, people actually rush in to that lead. First of all, you've got to build a relationship with the people. You've got to understand their company. One of the things that I do is if I found a, a company, interestingly, I looked at an IT company in Cardiff that looks like a potential lead for sales excellence. The MD has linked with me. A couple of their business development managers have linked with, with me. I'm going to build a relationship with them. I'm not going to try and sell them. And the idea is to take that conversation, that online conversation, take it offline. Where one of the things, and I'm looking at something to do is, which I, I read recently, I think it's a good idea, is send somebody uh, a Starbucks gift voucher for £5 and say, I would like to buy you a cup of coffee. Here's a gift voucher from Starbucks. And it's an idea that I've been using lately. Just have a coffee with somebody and maybe say, well, I'd like to have a virtual coffee with you to use Skype or to use Zoom and have that conversation to understand them so that you can build, which we go back to earlier, our integrity and our trust to show that uh, that we're problem solvers. Let's talk a little bit more about the social media because you've touched on LinkedIn there a couple of moments ago and and LinkedIn's a great platform I mean I love LinkedIn but the problem I have with LinkedIn is you're absolutely right as soon as you accept somebody as that connection request on LinkedIn and I know this happened to Jim just before we came on air we were talking about it he he got a LinkedIn connection coming in from from somebody and he says what do you bet this is a sales pitch and again people are deploying those techniques on LinkedIn which is absolutely not the right thing to be doing of course you've got to nurture that relationship but that kind of happens on LinkedIn quite a bit and it puts some people off because I think the problem is that people really don't know how to use LinkedIn properly. One of the things that I, I would do was I have a number of explainer videos, that's what you call them, you know, and I would I actually post those on LinkedIn, I would post my blogs on LinkedIn, then I would look at who's liking them, then you know, to build build that relationship with people. You know, and that's that's the thing is people are too fast to jump in, make that pitch. It just turns people off. It yeah. does. And they're not interested in building that relationship. No. And as you rightly said earlier on, it takes time to build this relationship. It, yes. doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. Try and build that relationship, get to know that person a little bit more, do some more research. And those are, are key things that, that, that individuals can do whenever they're using LinkedIn. Yeah. And the, interesting, that, that one, that uh, IT company that, that I discovered yesterday, and I saw that some of the people I was linked with it, so I sent out asked a connection. One of the things is I build that relationship, you know, one of the things I want to find out, and I can find it out from the internet, do some research, look at their website, uh, what size of a sales force do they have, do they have a sales process, do they need help in mapping their sales process, and I can you know, ask them questions, you know, I'm interested to learn what your sales process is rather than me saying, I can map your sales process for you, you know, I'm interested to learn and do you use any sales mythology with your salespeople? Then maybe two or three messages down the line, I might go is, what would be the biggest problem you'd like to solve with your sales team? And then when they come and say, well, we're not getting enough face-to-face appointments, you know, and I go, is that something you would like to look at, perhaps have help with? So initially those um, traditional sales techniques that would have been used in the days before the internet, in the days before social media, they're actually applicable in the age of social media and platforms like LinkedIn. 
Yes, exactly. You know, and that's because, you know, I think a lot of old um, old, old sales techniques haven't really gone away. They've just been used in a different way digitally on, you know, on the internet. For instance, you know, one of the things, one of the first, that time that I ran the field, we sold to the hospitality industry. I was in sales selling the hospitality industry. So when you walked into a hotel where you wanted to sell them, and I sold everything from glasses for the bar to toilet rolls for the toilet to, to equipment for the kitchen. You didn't walk in and say, I've got a great deal in this. You walked in and said, you mind telling me what, where you're currently buying X, Y, or Z? If there's anything about that, what would you do differently? What, what do you find is your main expenditure every month as it comes to... So find out about their business before you actually make the sale. One of the things that uh, I had the, the privilege of introducing, you know these uh, soap dispensers that you see in the toilets? Lever Industrial uh, launched those, and we did a, a great thing. We actually had one of these soap dispensers on a stand, and it had a green plastic cover, so you didn't know what it was. So when you went to a current customer, you used to set this up on the counter, and you started your sales conversation, and you ignored, and he was dying to know, what have you got under this cover? And he was going, what have you got? What's under this cover? You created curiosity, because one of the things is, today, that you've got to be an educator. You've got to be able to educate people about their solutions. You've got to find out, first of all, what's their problem? Uh, what's the impact the problem is having on their business? And what's the root cause of the problem before you can offer them a solution? Yeah. Now, I like observation, and I do a lot of observation when I'm interviewing people, yeah. um, when I'm creating my own podcast. And you've been actually very, very good as we've been doing this interview. I've been observing. You haven't tried to pitch me anything, and you haven't tried to use this opportunity, actually, to pitch anything, which is really the kind of the key message that people need to be thinking about, whether you're using social media, Media, whether you're going out on the road and you're doing any sort of selling, you're building that relationship, you're telling a story, and what you're trying to do is educate the yes. customer. And that's, you know, and one of you know, you have asked me questions and I have expressed things which we would offer people on our sales training. And I believe, you know, that I'm a great believer in life. You've got to give to get, you know, and you've, you know, you've got to be able to give before you can get anything. The interesting thing was that I discovered a great lesson. 2009, when it was the downturn in the economy, people were cutting back on training budgets. One of the things I said, I'm going to go out and give my services free. I worked for a business in the community and I did a couple of free uh, workshops for them uh, called Selling the Simple, which was for people who were in startup business who had no sales experience. I then went and actually offered myself as a volunteer mentor for the Princess Trust, and I've been doing that now since uh, 2009 as well. And the amazing thing that happened, my business actually took off and I never experienced a downturn in business at that time. Well, I did write something which offered us free as well to people in Northern Ireland. I did a great workshop called How to Buy When... How to sell when nobody's buying. You know, and that, that is the whole thing. You see, and one of the things that, going back to that, is there such thing as sales, salesmanship? Or is it really about being a trusted advisor? Is it looking for opportunities? One of the things that I started my business, most companies will say to me, colleague, tell me, how do you close more deals? And I go, right. But first of all, tell me this. Uh, how many opportunities have you created this month? And they said, well, we've created about three or four sales opportunities this month. And I says, how many sales do you close? Well, usually about one and three, one and four. So you're only one, making one sale a month. The problem isn't closing sales. Your problem is opening sales. I had somebody, um, I'll not name the company, and the lady who owned the company, I did some training for uh, Belfast Council. She actually brought me into the company because she said, 
That is the answer, colleague. We need to open more sales rather than try to close the sales we have. Because one of the things, everybody, you know, there's an old story, I'm sure you've heard it. If you build a better mousetrap, people will beat a path to your door. But that's not true. The people don't know about it. If you don't market your mousetrap, uh, if you if you say you have a, a better mousetrap, oh, my mousetrap's made of titanium, and people go, so what? Why is your, what's the value in having a better mousetrap? Unless you can express that value and only sell it to people who've got a plague of mice. Let's talk about sales excellence because you touched on a couple of moments ago about the importance of training and really it is an, it's an important component in every business, you know, to be to be developing people within your organization to become more effective um, salespeople. Sales excellence is bringing the Accelerate Your Sales in 2019 three-day sales masterclass to the Canal Court Hotel here in Newry. This is going to be held over a three-month period, but it's kicking off on the 14th of March. People who are interested, maybe who are listening into this podcast today, who want to know a little bit more about that particular program, if they sign up, what can delegates expect? to learn by taking part in this unique training and development opportunity. Well, the subtitle of that program, of our Sales Accelerator program, is we're calling it 306090. First uh, work, the first workshop will be looking at creating sales opportunities, how to get in the door, who's your buyer persona that we talked about earlier. We actually get them to set a target. What sales do you want to achieve in the next 90 days? So we ask first, what do you need to do in the next 30 days? And we'll train them on what they need to do, creating sales opportunities, how to make appointments on the telephone, how to overcome objections, or as I prefer to call them, concerns, and how to get past the gatekeeper and how to talk to the decision makers within the company and that's going to be their task for the first 30 days they'll come back to the second one and then the next one is on questioning how do you qualify a customer how do you ask the right question to find out what's their current situation what problems exist within their current situation what impact is their problems having on their business what's the root cause of it and how can we offer how can you offer them a solution so then that's going to be their task for the next 60 days. Originally, they'll have created the opportunity in the first 30 days. The next 60 days is to get in the doors, look for the problems and offer the solutions. And then the last one will really, how do you overcome any concerns that they have? How do you do a presentation? Because nowadays, I'm sure you've discovered yourself, Wayne, in your own business, it's not a one man. You don't sell to one MD. He brings in maybe three or four uh, people. Uh, one of my clients recently made a, a sale which was worth £174,000. He actually told me that himself, he was the sales director and one of his salespeople, and they had a committee of six to make the sale to. And that's the way sales are going because no one person within a company. So how do you actually sell to a committee? How do you control that situation? How do you influence that situation? One of the things that uh, I've been trained in is something called neuro-linguistic programming and that is actually how you know, how to influence people. And you know it's all about conversation, about communication, about listening and about asking the right questions and about seeing seeing what will influence one person might make within a company and make a decision a different way from another person. When somebody within the company might actually think how's this going to affect me and my role within the company so you've got to put his mind at rest so those are all the things that we're going to actually very much hands-on workshop they just don't sit for one day and go away and come back in 30 days 
They're going to have to do homework. They're going to have to report back. We're going to actually help them to build a pipeline, which is very important. We're going to help them uh, explore their sales process. You're actually, my goal within the workshop is actually to get the return on investment 10 times. So if they can get 10 times return for what they'll pay for the three-day workshop, uh, it'll be well worth them. But that's what they're going to achieve. We've got somebody listening into the podcast today who has really liked what they've heard on this episode, maybe would like to get themselves involved, signed up for this training, kicking off on the 14th of March. How do people find out more about sales excellence and in particular this program? One of the things they can email me, Collie, C-O-L-L-Y, at sales excellence now let me spell sales excellence because it's sales excellence without a knee in the middle s-a-l-e-s-x-c-e-l-l-e-n-c-e dot com or you can contact our other director jim finnegan jim is jim at sales excellence Com. And we will make all of those links available in the show notes on yeah. the podcasting page. We're going to have links over to the, the Eventbrite page where people yes. can sign up. We'll also put some links over to the Sales Excellence website. If people want to connect with you via LinkedIn, Collie, you're happy for people I'm to reach happy, out through yes, LinkedIn? Re- please reach out. You know, uh, at the minute, I uh, have a very small um, number on LinkedIn. I've only 14 and a quarter thousand at the minute on LinkedIn. So I'm, you know, I'm keen to grow that. My goal is to get it about 25,000. But one of the things I, I'm now getting very selective because I've got to a stage in LinkedIn that every day people are asking me to link. So again, it's about going back to that customer and understanding yeah. who you want to connect with and who you want to build those connections with. Colleague, we've covered a lot of ground in today's episode of the podcast. There are some amazing takeaways that are going to benefit, no doubt, the listeners of this podcast, but also any listeners who are listening into the show who've got a small business or indeed individuals maybe who work for companies and organizations and want to develop those really, really important skills when it comes to building and developing your sales skills and your sales techniques. I want to take uh, this opportunity, colleague, to say thank you for joining me today. All right, hope you enjoyed that episode of the show. A huge thank you to Collie Graham, CEO of Sales Excellence, for taking time out today to chat with me about the key ingredients and the key qualities that make an effective salesperson. So many key takeaways in this episode. Collie talked about resilience. He talked about, you know, getting rejection and how to get over it. He talked about a good salesperson is a problem solver. And that's the thing about it. You know, your customers are coming to you looking for solutions to problems that they have. So that good salesperson has to be able to help those customers solve the problem with the products and services that they provide. So a salesperson has to be a good listener. And to be a good listener, you have to ask the right questions. Collie talked about a good salesperson is a trusted advisor. And that is something that I really love, that idea of being that go-to person, that trusted advisor, that if a business, if an organization, if somebody needs your product and services, they know that you are that trusted advisor that's going to help them. Lots of great information about key account management, about lead generation, and the all-important buyer persona which is so important, sitting down and thinking about who is your ideal customer? How are you going to target them? What do they look like? What's the demographic of that customer? What type of things gets them excited? All of that type of good stuff that you can sit down and you can really break down that buyer persona and come up with your ideal customer 
who you want to target. Collie talked about the importance of nurturing leads and, and how the sales process takes time to develop. It doesn't happen overnight. And you're really trying to build trust and integrity. Two really important ingredients for a successful business. What an episode. So many great takeaways. We're going to be revisiting this topic again in the very, very near future. I'm going to be having Collie come back onto the show and we're going to do an even deeper dive into the world of sales and helping our listeners, those businesses, those entrepreneurs who listen into this podcast, develop their skills to become a better and a more effective sales professional. Don't forget, if you've enjoyed this episode of the show, please do stop by the website, uh, check out some of the previous episodes, make sure you share this link to this episode with your friends. Please do rate and review the podcast if you're listening over on iTunes, if you're listening over on Stitcher Radio. And also don't forget about that ebook, which is available now to download via the Zero Lives Left podcast website. Check it out if you want to launch a podcast, seven simple steps to successfully launch your podcast. Once again, a huge thank you to Colly Graham, CEO of Sales Excellence. And I'm going to be coming back very soon with episode 43 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Thanks for listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast with Wayne Denner. Make sure to check out Wayne's new book, The Student's Guide to an Epic Online Reputation, available from waynedenner.com and follow him on Twitter at Wayne Denner. Tune in next time.